Isaiah 41, 1 through 10. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach. Then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith and he who smooths with the hammer him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant and I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord Yahweh. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I make of you a threshing sledge, new, sharp, and having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them. You shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord. And the Holy One of Israel you shall glory. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Jacob, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow. Wow. Epic imagery on <laughs> so many fronts. I know. I know. I love the... Uh, the juxtaposition in today's passage of sort of in one sense, you know, God has this, he uses this epic image of saying he's going to take this lowly people and make them a threshing sledge so powerful that mm -hmm. they will thresh mountains like chaff. <laughs> right. And then in the same breath that he's going to bring beauty to the wilderness, like he's going to turn the desert 
and desolate places into this beautiful garden with all these different diverse trees and fruit. So a lot of epicness in these 20 verses (laughs) as to be expected in uh, Isaiah. And so (laughs) Jenny Mack, the people's favorite, Uh (laughs) please uh, enlighten us. Okay. Well, I... I love that you started out that way because it really brings into um, just focus the surprise at the beginning of this chapter that who he's talking to now, uh, mm. how he starts in this section talking to the coastlands, mm. which is uh, our Gentile nations. Mm. And um, even in this epicness of reminding, you know, he's literally directing this to the people of God who've been carried off into Babylon, Judah. You know, it's kind of like the primary audience and then all this. It's like, but now we get this little thing that's like, I'm also talking to the Gentiles. And what I'm saying to them is let the peoples renew their strength. So that mm-hmm. hint of like this, this renewal, this life is for all the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, let them approach like he's in no way. In fact, he's inviting them to come to him and let them speak and draw near for judgment. And that judgment is like, it's like a court of law. It's like the place of decision. Like yeah. I'm I'm calling Gentiles to this, but I'm also going to be like, you need to also wrestle with this big question of who I am and who you are and like come to a decision. Like mm-hmm. I want you to speak. And so then he turns us to this next one, who? And I've, that really, how many times uh, Isaiah actually starts with that? Yeah. Like it's not like a what he's always pointing us to a who. Like mm-hmm. that's who, that's what we need to spend time considering mm-hmm. um, to your point yeah. uh, uh, on other days, you know, how we like, we wrestle with like issues of injustice and like what is identity and all these things. And they're not unimportant, but you cannot process yeah. them outside of the who. Mm-hmm. So he's pointing us to this and asking us again, kind of, we've seen this type of thing, like holding up God in this like amazing power, um, how he has, you know, he's basically active in history and it kind of highlights how we look and we think, oh, look at the nations doing this, doing that. And in this, we get this little, this prophecy of one who comes from the East that most commentators say is, um, this is a prophecy of Cyrus who would come Mm. like a century later from the East and overthrow Babylon. Um, you know, there were, there were all these actually crazy, um, upheavals i mean babylon most powerful nation in the world yeah um persia the medes and the persians is kind of like uh if so you said at this time they're going to overthrow you it's like yeah. right i don't think so but then to hear that the greeks were going to overthrow yeah. the Persians, it's like no way yeah. well and just a odr callback like daniel 11 yeah outlines literally all of that and so much so it's so stunning that like a lot of scholars, like non-Christian scholars have yeah. begun to say that um, it was added in retroactively. Yes. Yeah. But then we were talking about that on ODR, but I didn't know this, but Carson Ernest, listener, uh-huh. emailed me this epic article explaining uh, how the Dead Sea Scrolls actually prove that those yes. claims aren't true. Yeah. So fascinating side yeah. note. But actually, going. and the scholars say the same thing about Isaiah in this section that it must be added. Like, obviously that's a, yeah, a train of thought that people are following. To yeah, try to like yeah. And same thing, Dead Sea Scrolls have no, um, when they found this section of Isaiah, there's no, obviously there were no chapters versus it. it's a sure. complete section. But also Jesus 
quotes uh, multiple sections, verses mm. of Isaiah, and always references them as the words of the prophet Isaiah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, if, you know, nice Jesus. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't let them get you off track. Yeah. This is yeah. God's, um, you know, giving the prophet this future vision, but also just how gracious of him. Like we can sit back in our place in history and see how all this came Come true. On. Yeah. But um, anyway, where are we? So then he goes back to the coastlands. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, this um, the the Gentiles are called into it, but he's also highlighting what happens when um, people are godless. And there's this great uh, quote from G.K. Chesterton that says, oh, yeah, I know we love to get I know what a man of words. Um, When people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. So they make up their own, which we are living in that. That's reality insane. right now. I've not heard that quote. Yeah. So what that's what that's the world that we live in right now. It's like they've rejected God, but it's not that people don't believe they believe in nothing. They they believe in anything and they have to make up their own meaning. And you're kind of seeing that in this section of um, five yeah. through seven where they're like they're making their own things and they're like, be strong and like, you know, smooth this out with the hammer and the anvil and we're gonna we're doing these historical things. We are gonna say it is good. And it's like, what does that remind you of? Yeah. Only God decides what's good. And yeah. that is like the essence of rebellion and idol right there that I'm totally. like, I'm not going totally. to let God's not going to say what's good. I'm going to decide what's good. Man. Anyway, so much. So, so much. Far. So far. So much good stuff. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to find this moment that I was about to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, no, I lost it. Again. I took you to verse okay. eight. I found it. I found it. Okay. Yep. Okay. We're, we're here in verse eight. Sorry, I was scrolling and then I lost my place. Yes. Um, verse eight, God turns back to Israel. Um, so as you mm. have been saying, you know, he he's kind of addressing the coastlands. And then how about like this string of titles? Yeah. You, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Mm the the degrees <laughs> of love the right. degrees of intimacy right. just grow and grow again and the, grow yes and this is a pattern that we see all through the bible of god emphasizing his commitments mm. emphasizing his promises emphasizing his relational nature and mm-hmm. his love for his people and then telling us okay, this is how far you fall short and this is what you ought to do by my mercies. You know, it's like always totally. in the context of this phrase Absolutely. right here. And he, we're, we're going to see this more and more and more and more as we continue through Isaiah. Mm-hmm. But God uh, in a prophecy, especially constantly contextualizes himself into like human relationship terms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my friend in Isaiah 54, he's going to mm-hmm. say, your maker being Israel, your maker is your husband. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, to your point, he constantly underlines his commitment, his consistency, his love, his nearness. And he condescends to our level and uses these like horizontal relationships that we have to like grant this sense of nearness and confidence Yeah. after, you know, highlighting his transcendence and authority and power and this is what I love about where the, the passage goes, because there's obviously a lot of like kind of warfare, conquest yeah, imagery. Yeah, yeah. 
then he tells them, and he's speaking to God's people. And, and the beautiful thing about this is that as we go through Isaiah, we're actually going to find out that the people that he's referring to, the mm-hmm. children of Abraham, mm-hmm. is actually a whole heck of a lot more than <laughs> the biological yeah, descendants of Abraham. Of Abraham yeah. God is going to take this and in this passage, not even just in the rest of the Bible, which he does, right. but in this section of Isaiah alone, he's going to spread out who he's referring to, yes. to the nations. But he's saying, my people, you're going to go out like looking for war and you're not even going to be able to find it. <laughs> like the the enemies that you feared, you're going to go looking for them and not find them. And then he he builds that idea and then he, he begins to, you know, and, and there's this like image of just, the the triumph mm. of God's people, mm-hmm. and he uses this threshing sledge image that yeah, I already referenced. Yeah, yeah. But even before he gets to that, I love how he says, "Fear not, I am with you." I mean, this is just such a like all these things that we see all throughout the Bible. That um, again, it's this idol. It's putting your confidence in sticks and mm-hmm. in meaningless um, objects and you know uh, things instead of this glorious creator who also is, um, you know, working in just incredible ways to let you know that he's mm-hmm. all about bringing you into relationship, Absolutely. being in your presence and bringing you joy. And so it's like, what causes fear? I mean, that's such a great little section there in nine and 10. It's like, well, you're, you're worshiping other idols. Like I'll never again, behold your God. And then that moves us into that. Sec- the section that you're talking about where, surprisingly how is god going to um you know bring the nations in he's going to use his people who are like a the juxtaposition is hilarious like a worm but yeah he's going to make you into this um yeah mighty you know yeah machine that can actually fell mountains as you said absolutely well and and you know, it, it reminds me of two moments in scripture. One is Second Corinthians 2. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Mm-hmm. And there is this degree of confidence and triumph that we are called to live into as Christians. And that is not, of course, like a triumph that is like crushing and degrading other people. But it's actually a triumph that gives us the strength and confidence to love our enemies and pray for people who persecute us, which is even more backwards. Takes more strength strength. courage. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then, you know, the other thing is, okay, so we're talking about God, you know, creating this like mighty people who bring peace and beauty into the Uh earth. And so Uh our natural human instinct would be, man, God is going to come and he's going to come looking for the best. You know, he's going to put together this like epic, just like ragtag group of like strong men yeah. and, and wise people. Yeah. But, you know, and the other place in scripture that I reference that my mind goes is Gideon's army uh, where Gideon yeah. has this like mighty epic <laughs> army, you know, little right. Gideon who was like, God first called him when he's like stealing, like hiding wheat so that <laughs> it's not like taken by the enemies. Right. And, and Gideon has like a total rags to riches and triumph type story. And Gideon finally has his army and God whittles it back down Down, to 300 people. He's like, I don't need that. And again, it's like the, the amazing thing about Isaiah is it's talking about the transcendence and power of God and how he's going to use that to bring his people into glory and into shalom and flourishing and peace. And, but it's not going to be, through like removing all the weak 
which yeah. is how we as people, people would think. Like, if you have an organization and you're trying to get it to flourish, right. it's like let's get all the weak links, like weak links out of the chain, oh, yeah. and we'll be good. But God actually reaches towards the worms, yes, you know, exactly. towards the weak, and it's, yeah, he it's, creates strength. He creates beauty. He creates triumph purely because he is that powerful. That's to right. Do so. And you made me think of Second Corinthians uh, four seven. We have this treasure in jars of clay um, yes. to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Yes. And that is such a, if you know, just burn this. Talk about a tattoo. This is the tattoo that we should get. We're getting sleeved up today. Right, right? I love um, it. Is that God, when God gets the glory, we get the goodness. Come on. I mean, what master would you Come on. pour your life out for and you flourish? I mean, this is God's like, yes, we give him the glory. We do everything. But because he uses us in a weakness, it's like who shines? God, who is the rightful holy one who should shine. And yet there's only goodness and beauty awaiting us and the world when mm. we um, believe this and Amen. act accordingly. Amen. So. Well, Jennifer and I have some tattoo appointments <laughs> to get to, so we better run. But uh, for Jennifer McClish, the people's favorite, and Lily Will Carlisle, uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.